The New Covenant reading and our text for the day is taken from the <clears throat> sixth chapter of Matthew, a very familiar passage. We'll begin reading with verse 9 and we'll read down through verse four, uh, 14, actually verse 15. So please give your attention once again to the reading of God's inspired, infallible, inerrant, and sufficient word. These this is the word of God, and these are the words of our Lord Jesus Christ as he taught his disciples how to pray. Jesus said, pray then in this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. For if you forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Let us pray once again. Father, we know that your word is spiritually discerned. And so we ask that you will come now and give us your spirit, for it is not just it is not enough to just hear with our ears. We must hear with the very depths of our hearts by the work of your spirit. So come and write these words upon our hearts. And with the disciples, we would ask you, Lord, teach us to pray. Not only teach us how to pray, but teach us to pray. Stir our hearts. As we approach now your word, we ask that you will will speak to us and that you will change us, that you will conform us to the image of Christ, that one who, being the very Son of God in the flesh, was constantly seeking your face because as he lived as man, he was dependent upon you. He lived as we live, not living by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. So we pray, Lord, that you would keep us from distraction and that you will Stir our hearts to seek your face and to honor you in all that we do. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was last with you, I had an opportunity, I think, to be with you three times, once in the morning and once both services, and I began to speak on this particular passage and was emphasizing uh, the necessity of prayer and how uh, prayer is uh, probably one of the most significant and necessary aspects of the work of the church, and yet uh, somehow it is uh, the most neglected. And uh, we, we see this as the disciples came to Jesus and they noticed that John's disciples were praying and John had taught his disciples and they came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so we began to look at this and we uh, saw that it was... Uh, a necessary thing. It's a means whereby sinful men commune with a holy God and a means by which men receive necessary grace for God. And it's a means by which God builds his kingdom. It's a tool that God has given to us. But it's a difficult discipline of the Christian life. And so he taught us the manner of prayer, what sins should be avoided and the manner in which we're to pray, not just an appearance not to receive the, the, the applause of men, not for what it does for us, but we might commune with God, actually uh, participate with him in his 
life. And we need to be instructed how to pray. So we looked at that, the manner of prayer, that we come to our Father who is in heaven. And I want to take the liberty to continue this, and uh, uh, if the Lord would provide that I should be with you again, we'll, we'll come back and look at it again, because uh, not the same thing, I hope, but we'll continue and finish this up. This has been a very useful series uh, in my own life and the life of, of the congregation at Westminster where I preached it previously. So we come to the first petition of our Lord's Prayer. Four Greek words, but enormous amount of instruction. And once again, as we pointed out, this is a summary. This is a, a pattern. Uh, the Lord tells us in the pattern for prayer, when you pray, pray in this way. And Luke puts it even more succinctly as he records the introduction of the Lord's Prayer by our Savior. He said, he records Jesus' words as saying, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven. In other words, he puts words in our mouths. And this ought not to be surprising because uh, David set his prayers in order and he orders his prayer. And so it serves as a pattern of prayer for all of us. And I would encourage you uh, to take this pattern that God gives us in the Lord's Prayer and to use it to direct your own prayers, both corporately and individually as well. Well, what do we see in this first one? We're just going to look at this one where it says, uh, hallowed be thy name. That's the first petition. And what we learn from this is that God instructs us to give his interests the priority in prayer. I don't know about you, but often when I am stirred to pray, it's because I'm aware of particular needs that I have or my family has or somebody in the congregation has. And so I simply begin to pray uh, for those. And that's a good thing. It's good to remember the needs of your own soul and the needs of uh, the, the people around you. And, uh, and yet, somehow that's not what priority is here. We can see the priority here that God gives. What is the priority that Jesus begins with? What does he say? He says, pray in this way, hallowed be your name. We are to be concerned with the glory of God. We're to be concerned with the interest that he has. We're to begin with a view of God. And this helps to focus us as well, that we turn away from ourselves and we look at the Lord himself. We tend to start with ourselves and the Lord would have us to begin with him. Let your name be sanctified. Let your name be exalted. So we observe the priority and the order of God's pattern. We can see it when the Lord Jesus Christ was getting ready to go to the cross. Uh, he, was, he was saying, Lord, there's all these things going on, but for this very purpose, I came into the world to glorify your name. What's the first question and answer to the catechism? What is man's chief end? Man's chief end is what? To glorify God and then to enjoy him forever. We see it when the Lord Jesus tells us the disciples were concerned about what they would eat, and what they would put on. What did he, what did he tell them? Uh, the Lord knows what you have need of. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things shall be added to you. You see that priority given to us, uh, even in the instruction of the Lord. We tend to be very anxious about everything, but he says, 
No, don't be anxious about those things, but give your priority to give glory to God. And so in the order of God's pattern, we see the petitions begin with prayers for God's interests. Thy name be sanctified. And only after praying for God's interests are personal petitions offered. We see it in the proportion of God's pattern. He not only says that, uh, that may your name be exalted, but then what? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And then the personal interests come as he tells us how we're to pray for those things. They're perfectly legitimate. But he says we begin with the interests of God. And as we think about this, I want you to observe your privilege in embracing this priority. God gives you the privilege of seeking the glory of God as he invites you to worship him. And he sets himself before you. You were created for the glory of God. You're created in the image of God. And when God created Adam and Eve, he placed them in the garden that they might glorify him and serve him. And likewise, he continues with us as well. We have the privilege of glorifying God. And as we begin to, to glorify him, as we begin to think about him and to offer up our praise and thanksgiving and our adoration, it, it helps us to understand who it is to whom we pray and the greatness of God. We sang this morning how great thou art. We see it all about us. And as we begin our petitions in this way, we are attuned to those very things. But we also understand that though Adam and Eve were created for the glory of God, those privileges were forfeited in Adam's rebellion and our own as well. But we've been redeemed for the glory of God as we read this morning, as we recited this morning in our confession, uh, or as we read in our assurance of pardon. He predestines us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. Salvation is not a mean, an end in itself. It is a means to an end of worship. And we have been made prophets and priests and kings, and we are to glorify him. And so what are, what are the interests? What's the priority that God gives in this pattern for prayer? Uh, we're to seek the name of God would be exalted. So we give God's interests the priority in prayer. But then we understand what we pray for in that first petition where it says, hallowed be thy name. Well, what is, what's involved in God's name? Is it just Jehovah or Elohim? And certainly uh, there are all manner of names that God uses to describe himself, Adonai and Lord of hosts and and on it goes. But are we just talking about a, a series of words or are we talking about something else? You need to recognize that when you ask that God's name would be hallowed, we recognize that God's name is God himself. We're asking that God himself be hallowed, be set apart as holy, that God would be recognized for who he is and what he does. Uh, there was a great reverence for God's name among the Jews, and uh, one of the reasons why uh, we have the, uh, the, 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 the tetragram, as it were, that we translate uh, Jehovah or Yahweh, they wouldn't use the name 
of God because they did not want to bring it into reproach. There was a high reverence for the name of God, but there was to be a reverence <coughs> for God <coughs> himself. We see that, uh, that this is God as who he is. And so Jesus, when he was, um, was going uh, to the cross, once again, in his high priestly prayer, he said, I manifested thy name to the men that thou gavest me. I made your name apparent. I made you apparent. And we see that we come to know God the Father in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the perfect revelation of God. And so we recognize that God's name is God himself, God as he is. And I have to say that now we see through a glass darkly. Um, I, I, may have, uh, I may have used this illustration before, but I find it a fascinating thing of God's providence um, in the Westminster Assembly. Um, they were wrestling with a shorter catechism question, what is God? And um, they were baffled. How in the world, how in the world can we put into words a definition of God? <clears throat> and they had, uh, they had come to a standstill. <clears throat> and my mind is going to, to fail me right now, but there was a very young Scot at the Westminster Assembly. It may occur to me in a moment, but he was called upon by the Westminster Assembly because of his godliness, simply to intercede with God. How can we define, how can we put into words, how can we teach future generations something of God and his glory, of who he is and what he is? And so uh, this young man stood and began to pray. And do you know how he began his prayer in the providence of God? Oh God. You are a God who is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in your being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And someone was paying attention to his prayer and wrote it down. And brothers and sisters, that is how in God's providence we got the, that answer to the question, I believe it's the fourth question in answering the catechism, what is God? was sought in prayer, and God said, this is one of the ways that we can communicate. But it's God who is as he is. We can see this again in, uh, in Moses as he prayed to God, and he said, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your glory. God said, no, you can't see my glory. You can't see it. You wouldn't survive, but I'll tell you what I'll do. Go up, I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock, and I'll pass by and declare my name to you. And you'll see just the after parts, the afterglow of the glory of God. See, I, I have, I don't know how you are, but when I, when I think about the glory of God, my mind just, I, I can't go there. I get, I get lost in that. And Moses, who, uh, Moses who, who saw God and in one sense, uh, saw him in the burning bush, had all those experiences, and yet Moses says, Lord, it's not enough. Show me your glory. And what does the Lord do? The Lord passes by, and what does he declare when he shows him his glory? And the Lord passed by and declared his name to Moses. 
the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the, the, uh, the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands of generations of those who love me. Notice how God declares who he is and the emphasis upon grace and mercy and forgiveness and pardon. That's how God wants him. We, uh, we often tend to think of, of God as a frowning God, never pleased. And yet when God declares his name, who he is, he emphasizes his grace and mercy and pardon and forgiveness. God is much more ready to forgive your transgressions and sins than we are to ask it. And that should shame us. Well, it shouldn't shame us because he's greater than we are. But we should be ashamed that we are so slow to ask him. And so it's God as who he is and how he reveals himself and his names, attributes, word, and works. So that's what the name of God is. But what is it to hallow? Well, to hallow is to sanctify. The, the word there is to make holy. It's the word from which we get holy, 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 the thrice holy God. Well, we make or we set apart <clears throat> something as holy when we sanctify something. And therefore, you pray for God's name to be treated as holy, as distinct, as set apart. God is to be glorified in holiness. Vitzius says that, that holiness is that purity of the divine nature which renders every act of his understanding and will consistent with his perfections and fitted to promote their manifestation or how they appear or how they are made known to us. Now, let me <clears throat> just say a word here. You cannot add anything to the substance of God's glory. We don't make God glorious. God is all glorious. That's just who he is. Uh, <clears throat> when Moses just saw the after parts of God's manifestation of his glory, when he came down from the mountain, his face was a, was a glow, and he put a veil over his face. Just seeing the, the, the vestiges of of God's glory uh, affected Moses' countenance. Moses didn't add anything to God's glory, and we do not add anything to God's glory. But what we can do and should do and what we pray to do is that we might recognize and declare and magnify God's glory among, in our own hearts and among men. We read in Psalm 34, My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. When we gather together and we sing God's praises, when we talk about his word and his works and his person, we are making it manifest. We are making it apparent. God is a spirit. We don't see him but we know him by his declaration. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and so we are to make God glorious, and we are asking God to do that. 
We recognize that we cannot and will not do that apart from him. We are those who call upon him to exalt his name and to give us perceptions of it. And you pray that men might keep God's law, the first table in particular. How do we glorify God? By keeping his commandments. We pray that God will make it so that we will have no other gods before him, that we will worship in the manner that he desires, that we will honor and keep his name and our oaths and vows, that men will respect his revelation and his name, that he will keep his day holy. We glorify God. We manifest him in keeping God's word. And then we apply the principle with corresponding prayers. We pray, indeed, that's the summary, that God's name would be set apart, would be hallowed. Lord, let your name be set apart. May I set it apart. May I perceive your glory with new perspectives. I was uh, thinking some, some time ago, was as I've been reading through the Old Covenant once again, um, the, the promises that, that God makes, with particular with his redeeming work and the coming of Christ, and he was saying as long as summer and winter, seed time and harvest remain, my word will not vanish. And I began to think that God manifests in glory um, every day, and somehow we miss it because it becomes old hat to us. But do you realize when you woke up this morning and you saw the sunrise, God was declaring his faithfulness to his covenant promises. The sunrise and the sunset is God telling you, I will be faithful to my covenant. But we see the beauties of this. This is a, a beautiful fall. Wouldn't you agree this has been a beautiful fall? Seed time and harvest, God is declaring, I'm faithful to my covenant. I will save you, I'll redeem you, I'll pardon your sins. And God is declaring that every day. And I realized that God's glory is all about me. And so as I began to pray this prayer, hallowed be your name, what I was praying is, God, make me more aware of your manifestation of your glory. And let me give you praise and thanksgiving for it. Not just taking it for granted, but giving thanks. One of the things that uh, that Bunny and I have begun doing because we realize that the the sand is running out of the hourglass for us. And um, our days are short. They've been great days. And uh, although we have had our series of trials as you have, we all face these trials. We live in a, in a troubled world. God has swallowed up all the trials in his goodness. We wake up in the morning and it is not unusual for us as we wake up in the morning, as we go to bed at night, giving thanks to God, God has given us another day to be together. Don't take that for granted. God has given it to you. He's displayed his glory in preserving your life. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve one day of life. You, you see what I'm saying? He, another, one more illustration, then I'll, then I'll move on. Um, but years ago, I, I remember hearing a sermon and it changed me. Uh, and since then, I've memorized Psalm 104, <clears throat> although don't ask me to recite it to you now because I will have a senior moment. But, uh, but one of the things uh, one of the things that says is that he rides, he makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. I have not been able to look at clouds since then without recognizing 
God is on his chariot. That's the chariot of God. When the wind blows, he's riding on the wings of the wind. You see, God's glory is all around you. So when I pray, hallowed be your name, God is manifesting his name. I'm praying that my spiritual eyes will be opened and my heart will be attuned to that. I want to know more of God. I want to see more of him in creation. I want to see more of him in his providence. I want to see more of him in his word. I want to see more of him in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I need that because I've been blind. Um, since I was last here, uh, I had the privilege of, uh, of having cataract surgery. And I experience the wow effect, as my optometrist tells me. When I, uh, the, the moment, my left eye, I did my left eye first, corrected it for distance. And the moment that I came out of the doctor's office into the sunlight, I saw things as I have not seen them for years. Everything was, I did not realize that I'd been living in darkness for years. Everything was brighter. I brought some clothes out. I said, Bunny, what color are these? I always thought they were brown. Well, they weren't. They were green and blue. I, I took some pills. I take some, uh, some art medications. And I took the pills. And Bunny, what color are these pills? I thought they were brown. So, well, they're kind of a, uh, a shade of lavender. Really? You see, nothing changed except one thing. what I was seeing. That's what I pray for when I pray that God's name would be hallowed. Pray that for myself. I pray it for you and I pray it for men all about me. Lord, let your name be hallowed. Show us more of your glory. That's God's interest. God would be named. God would be glorified in the earth. Apply the principle of corresponding prayers. We'll do this quickly. But that's why we read Psalm 145. If you have opportunity this afternoon and the Lord lays it on your heart, read Psalm 145 once again as David perceives the glory of God in everything that he is and everything that he does. And he magnifies the name of God. And he prays that, that God would be glorified. Exalt God's name by offering the sacrifices of praise and adoration. When Jerry began his prayer, he began <clears throat> with the attributes of God. That's a good way to begin. Uh, I mentioned to you uh, the uh, revelation that God made to Moses. Uh, sometimes when I'm stuck and, uh, uh, you know, true, con true confession here, uh, sometimes magnifying the, the attributes of God is hard because my, I'm hard-hearted. And so I will simply go back. And I will, I've memorized that portion from Psalm, or from uh, Deuteronomy 34. And I just begin to pray that prayer, the Lord, the God who is, the Lord, the one who is the I am, but I am. No beginning, no end. The only true God who is dependent upon nothing else, but I'm dependent upon him, the Lord, 
the Lord God, the Almighty One, the Creator of heaven and earth. And I simply go through that revelation that God gave to Moses and begin to think about each attribute that he distributes there. And I begin to praise and thank God for that. Uh, I'm glorifying God with the praises. And so Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through him then, that is Christ, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Psalm 116, verse 17, To you I shall offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call upon the name of the Lord. Well, in order to do that, we need to pray a prayer for prayer by contemplating God's glory in his word and in his, and in his providence and in his creative work. And we initiate our prayers by verbalizing God's glory as he reveals himself to us in his word and in his works. Creator, Savior, Judge. You know, it's okay to give thanks to God for his justice and his judgment as well. Uh, it is a, a curious thing, and it's hard for us to understand, uh, but God is glorified in the destruction of his enemies. We read the psalm, the song of Moses this morning, didn't we? Read that. The people of God gave thanks to God for the destruction of his enemies, and it's hard for us to understand, but in heaven there will be rejoicing. The horrors, it is a horror to face the the wrath of a holy God, but the saints will rejoice in the justice of God. God is glorified in his justice as well as in his mercy. So he reveals himself in his word and in his works as well. Pray that God will magnify his own name. Show us your steadfast love and grant us your salvation, we read in Psalm 87. Five. We pray that we and other men will recognize his glory in those things. That he'll magnify his name in creation. That he'll magnify his name in providence. That he'll manifest his name through his word and preaching of the gospel. Psalm 138.2 in the King James translation, I will exalt my word above all my name. We pray that God will thrust forth his laborers and pray for the faithful preaching of the word of God. I hope you pray for your pastor and your elders and each other that God would glorify himself in the preaching of the gospel, that God will magnify his name in the salvation of men. The work of Christ most clearly reveals his glory in his life, death, and resurrection. Jesus said that he had glorified his name and he asks that the name of God would be glorified yet again. And it's hard for us to understand. I, and, and I'll say this, I, my perception is God had glorified his name throughout Christ's life. But I think, and it's hard for us to understand, I think when Jesus prayed that he would glorify his name yet again, he was not only looking forward to his exaltation, I think Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit was glorified at the most shameful time of man's history in Christ's life, and that was in his crucifixion. In his shame, in his nakedness, in his bearing of sin, in his crying out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? As he bore my sin and your sin in the redemption of his people, Jesus was glorified. 
And we ought to give thanks. Jesus is glorified even in his greatest humiliation. But God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of his name. Pray that God will enable you to set God's name apart, to receive his glory as we've already seen and move us to praise him and worship. Worship should be filled with sincere praise, adoration and awe. As we, as we sing the hymns, we, we trust that it's not just with our voices, but it is from the very heart that gives vibrance the people of God should pray with great praise. We should sing with great, uh, great enthusiasm and sincere praise, adoration, and awe. We live in a manner consistent with, consistent with our profession, and we give God the glory in our speech. We're one of the things that uh, when you know is a common thing when we when we meet people, whether it's in the marketplace or wherever, we ask how we're doing. And um, I used to say, fine, you know, just kind of pass it off. And I've just taken the opportunity to say, I am blessed by God. I am blessed. No matter where I am, we give praise to God, even in, in simple things. And we pray that God will bring the nations to exalt his name. Psalm 46, verse 10 the Lord instructs us, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. We ought to be praying that individuals and families and congregations and communities, yes, and, and even nations may confess his glory in creation. Uh, we ought not to be content with equal time uh, in our educational institutions for creation or intelligent design. God alone is creator. He will not share his glory with another. We pray that nations will depend upon his providence, humbling and judging his enemies and delivering people. He tells us that he will do these things. And we pray for the work of his spirit. that Nations might own him as their God. All the nations which you have made shall come and worship you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. You, you say, well, I just don't see that happening. Well, God sees it happening. We need to ask God. What, what We'll look at it again this evening. But remember in Psalm 2, <clears throat> David understood as he wrote Psalm 2, why do the nations rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, let us cast their bonds aside. And what, how does the Lord respond? The Lord laughs. The Lord laughs and says, you puny men, who do you think you are? Why does he laugh and hold them in derision? Because I've set my king on his throne in heaven. And then he tells Jesus, the son, ask of me and I'll give you the nations for his inheritance. I'll give you the nations for your inheritance. And you have the privilege as the body of Christ with the Lord Jesus to ask God to give the nations to Jesus for his inheritance. That's a big request. 
I know that's a huge request, but our God is a huge God. And you ought to have the desire to see the nations worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, even as we do. Uh, wouldn't you love to see this sanctuary filled overflowing with your neighbors and friends? Lord, hallowed be your name. So what place does the glory of God have in your requests in prayer? How do you begin your prayers? Now, understand, um, there, there are seasons simply to begin uh, with those urgent requests. We understand that. And there are, there are times, but when you are setting your, your, your time apart for prayer, and when you, have the, when you, have, when you are, are coming to that season of prayer, uh, how do you begin your prayers? The pattern says, let's begin with asking that the name of God will be magnified, first of all in us as we pray, and then all about us. We meditate on the attributes and the works of God in Scripture and in experience. We understand what God is doing. We pray for the Holy Spirit to incline our heart to pray for His glory. You say, well, I don't begin with that. We'll start asking the Lord to, to remind you and to incline your heart to begin your prayers with the glory of God and seeking His face and develop that discipline of praying without ceasing, that God's name would be sanctified in all the earth. Amen. Father, we do thank you for these words, and we pray that you would reform us, conform us to the image of, of the Lord Jesus himself, who did not seek his own glory or his own needs, but he sought your glory. And so, Lord, we pray that you would teach us not only how to pray, but stir us up to pray. And we would ask even this day, as we set the day apart for you, that your name would be hallowed in all the earth. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your hymnals, please, and turn to him.